Welcome everyone to the Life Plus God podcast. I am your host, Alyssa Robinson. And today we have an episode that I have been looking forward to for a really long time. We are asking the question, who is God our mother? Rather than just a one-on-one interview, I have a round table of ladies who I have brought on to have this conversation with me that I'm really excited about. And I'd like to introduce all three of them. And so someone that you are very familiar with is Reverend Gracie Millard. She is on this podcast regularly. Welcome back, Gracie. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yes. And so as one of our pastors, she and I have had many conversations about uh, gender expressions of who God is, how God represents God's self, Mm -hmm. uh, why we see God in masculine terms, feminine terms, where we see God genderless, all of these things. And so I'm very excited for her to bring to the table uh, all of her insight and knowledge from having gone through seminary and having done a little bit of extra work around these topics. So glad you're here. Glad to be here. And then I also have Sam Scheider. Sam Scheider is a member of Treach Memorial United Methodist Church, and she's also heavily involved in women's ministry. Uh, Sam actually has a more conservative background. She grew up Southern Baptist and has made her way into Methodism and has done some uh, self-exploration in how she sees God, how her view of who God is has expanded over time. Uh, And so I'm really excited for you to be in on the conversation, Sam. Thanks. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah. And then we have Laura Sennett, who is our hospitality coordinator here. And y'all have also heard from her before. She did an excellent episode with me on liminal space. And it was actually that episode was one of the exact reasons why I wanted to bring Laura on for this episode because uh, when we're looking at a feminine understanding of who God is and seeing God uh, through womanhood and through the, the lens of the feminine divine, I think Laura has done a lot of work to create space for that. Um, just in our conversation around liminal space, I think that she is just very open to all interpretations and all understandings. And Laura has did not grow up in the Christian faith. And so uh, I think that that kind of gave you a freedom to explore without constructs being placed on you in childhood that many of us didn't have. We had those rules and restrictions put on us of who God is. So since you started to explore who God is in adulthood, Mm -hmm. it was kind of anything goes for you. So Laura, I'm, I'm really excited for your perspective. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yay. Okay. So we have this amazing table of women and I'm just going to go ahead and jump right in because we've got a lot to cover here. So Gracie, I want to start with you. Um, in Christianity, How is the concept of feminine divine expressed? And so when I say feminine divine, Mm -hmm. I mean uh, talking about God within feminine terms, not necessarily only seeing God in masculine terms. So I will start by saying that in scripture, in the original languages that scripture was written in, God is never you. The pronouns for God are always masculine, but there are um, descriptions of God compared to a mother in a lot of instances. And specifically, we see the Holy Spirit is certainly the um, the most I guess I don't want to say, but it's like the most feminine um, that we see because we have wisdom, the like lady wisdom, Sophia um, is like God is described as wisdom. And then wisdom itself is a feminine, um, a feminine image. Um, And then. So that's like from scripture. There's a there's a lot of instances in scripture where God is described as a mother and it's a, a lot about birthing and caring for um caring for Israel and caring uh like the unconditional love, nourishment, a lot of the 
birth and like that kind of language. Um, but then throughout history, one of my favorite things I learned in seminary was about this mystic called Julian of Norwich. And she was this uh, 14th century, like, uh, I think she was a nun. She was kind of more of mystic where she had these really radical experiences of experiencing God. And one of the things she talked a lot about was Christ, our mother and talking about um, Christ having birthed the church and that um, birthing it's that, that, that language of birthing and the birth of new creation. And, but what's funny is that she's, she still uses the masculine word for like pronouns for Christ. So she's like, she, uh, she says like, Jesus is our mother in nature, our mother in grace, because he wanted to become our mother in all things. And so it's interesting that she still uses the masculine word for it, but there's that feminine side to birthing is very much of the feminine nature, not mm -hmm. masculine. Um, and she, I mean, she has a whole section of her book. I mean, her writings about it. Um, so there's a, there's actually a rich history of it. It's just not as, uh, not as canon, I guess. Yeah. So, well, and, and one of the things that I, I think about and Lauren, Sam, feel free to weigh in as well. Um, is I'm not, I'm not creating this episode for us to say, well, actually, everybody, God is a woman. Right. Like, this no. is not what I'm trying <laughs> right. to do here. No. Um, no. I think that we're all on the same page of, like, God is genderless. Uh, mm -hmm. Gender and, you know, it's very human. It's a human construct. Mm -hmm. And male and female is very human. Mm -hmm. uh, but we do read in Genesis that we were created in the image of God. Mm -hmm. And that includes female Women. as mm -hmm. well right <laughs> and yeah. so there must be the image of god within each of us mm -hmm. god is if anything non-binary genderless there is no male female but my understanding is and and what it makes me think of is what was the name of the mystic that you were julian julian, julian. um Okay, when I when I was hearing her talk, calling Jesus He, but He is our mother, um, it's just a reminder that we can only view God through our own lens, through mm. our own understanding of the world. And so we put these gender characteristics on God because it's what we understand. Mm -hmm. It's what we see around us. Mm -hmm. uh, but the truth is God is so much bigger than all of mm -hmm. this, than all we could ever comprehend. Um, I don't know. What do y'all think? Well, I think, you know, language helps us, right? Like yeah. we need language to understand, mm. but in, in my opinion, when describing God, language falls short, right? Mm -hmm. And so I find myself, even as I was thinking about this, and I find I refer to God as he all the time. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean I think God is a man. Um, yeah, I, it's just what we, some of it's just memorized, what we've mm -hmm. always said or heard, and so it just comes out. Um, I am... I, um, I love the birthing stuff. Yeah. Because while we can sit, I, even when you were talking about wisdom, well, not only women are wisdom, have mm -hmm. wisdom, men right. have wisdom. Like right. we have all these characteristics that we've just attached to people, right. like they're stronger in that area. Mm -hmm. That's not even true, but it it is true that birthing only happens mm -hmm. with the woman. You know, that one we can't kind of go away from. And so I, I do like that idea that and I say that maybe in nature, there's not it. There's not a spider or something that there can't be. It's all women. I think. <laughs> well, I think. well, or the seahorse. Sea the seahorse. Oh. I just was going to say, wait a minute, the seahorse. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Shoot. Um, nature is yeah. a mystery. <laughs> well, Sam, I, I'd be interested to hear from you. In your upbringing, what were you taught about the gendering of God? And why do you think this topic makes people a little squirrely, a little uncomfortable to talk about? Yeah, you know, I don't know if it was specifically said to me, God is a man, God is male. But growing up, God was only portrayed as masculine, um, like God is our father only. He was presented as like authoritarian, someone who loved me, but I had stipulations. I have to follow the commandments. I have to follow the rules. And then I have love. Um 
I think that historically people have been taught that like the highest rulers, they're male. Mm. And especially growing up Southern Baptist, females females didn't lead anything, right? Mm. And so God was only presented as male to me. Mm. What did that what did that do for your relationship with God directly? I just felt like there were always conditions on it. It was always follow the commandments, follow the rules, and you have the love. So every time I would pray, I would like always open prayer with forgive me for everything that I have Mm -hmm. done. And I feel like I was kind of the same way with my parents, like the same way that I am with God as the father figure. I was the same with my parents, like, okay, I have to follow all of these rules for them to love me and things like that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think about in my childhood, it never... It, it just became so rote to see God as father yeah. mm-hmm. that there wasn't anything else. There wasn't anything else to look toward. And I actually had this conversation with my sister recently because I was talking to her about this podcast and what we're doing, and it made her a little bit uncomfortable. And she was like, you know, I just, I don't think I can see God as anything but father. And she said, when you talk to me about seeing God as mother, it feels... um it, it feels almost disrespectful because we had such a great dad. We have such a great dad who has been such a beautiful example of father. And we have, and it's true, like we have a beautiful on earth example of a father who loves us unconditionally. He's a therapist for God's sake. Like he, he knows how to be vulnerable, to be present with us, all of these things. And so she was like, I never had a problem seeing God as father because we have a great father. And, and I told her, I was like, yeah, but we have an amazing mother mm-hmm. who I never once in childhood saw God reflected in her because I, it's not that I was taught not to, but I wasn't taught to look for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so looking at all of the characteristics, most people here are very familiar with who my mom is. Mm-hmm. She's been on the podcast multiple times and she is a very devout, godly woman who has so many characteristics of God within her. But in my childhood, I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. I didn't recognize it. And I just feel like I missed out on something. I missed out on getting to see God in my mother as well as in my father. I, th- I thought of two things when you said that. One is, and I remember when I first came to the church and um, and really started kind of learning, and I remember thinking, what about the kid that didn't have a great father mm-hmm. and we're supposed to be referring to God as father? Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, you know, because again, language is what helps us relate. And so if you didn't have a relationship with a male that was a positive one and you're supposed to re- think of God as father, what does that do with your relationship? Mm-hmm. I remember thinking that early on. Um, the other thing that I think about is uh, I had an aunt that was very dear to me and uh, was very faithful. She, As a child, it's the only person that I remember that had faith, um, that practiced their faith. I don't want to say my, my family didn't have faith, but that practiced her faith. And so I think for me, it was easy to think of God in the feminine because— mm-hmm she's what brought me there. I mean, because she was my example of it. Do you remember feeling that as a child? Well, I just remember she being the only face of God I had. Like, I remember that as a child. Like, that was, she was so in love with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And uh, to the point that she annoyed the family with it, you know? <laughs> but I just, that was that was the face of God that I had. And so, for me, that was an easy jump. It doesn't mean that all this time that I've thought of God that way, um, it really isn't until more recently where I think more about um, just open to whatever God is, mm-hmm. not not mm-hmm. so much have some constraints on God. What are what are some of the characteristics in your aunt that made you think of God, whether it be masculine or mm-hmm. feminine? Mm-hmm. What what was the face of God to you through her? Yeah, she was um, uh, extravagant with her love. I mean, mm-hmm. if you walked in the door. As a matter of fact, my grandmother would get upset with her because she would just fall on us. She was so (laughs) excited about us and wanted to hear everything we had done and what we had been up to and loved everything we had. You know, just 
what we had on. Probably everything. Like, Stop spoiling she those kids. She was just <laughs> all encompassing and so much love. And, um, you know, I, at her funeral, I spoke and I said, I, I always thought I was her favorite. And I think every single one of my cousins thought the same thing because her love was so extravagant. Mm. And, and that really was the thing that made me think, this is what Jesus must be like because mm-hmm. she oozed Jesus, you know? <laughs> so that was the biggest thing. And just, she was all in and she would turn the other cheek a thousand times and just, she was just a wonderful, wonderful lady. Wow. See, I had people in my life, females in my life that way too, but it still never resonated with me to think of God like in that way at all it was still always so authoritarian so rule Mm -hmm. giving and following even though I had those people and I saw Jesus through them Mm -hmm. but it was just just not first and foremost what God was about to me growing up well and Sam that's what I was wondering about at the beginning of this episode is was our faith um thwarted in some way because of these constructs that were put on us, uh, that God is father. God is like, and there are rules and there are boundaries. And, um, I grew up Methodist, so I wasn't as, it wasn't as, didn't feel as authoritarian, but it was still those same constructs of like, it never crossed my mind to view the women in my life as a representation of God or a representation of Jesus among us. Like it just, it wasn't there. It wasn't something that I could grasp at. And I'm wondering, Laura, with with your openness and mm-hmm. lack of parameters, right. you could see God in anything and everything. Absolutely. And I've said that before. Like I, the benefit I have is I don't have all the unlearning that a lot of people mm-hmm. had to do. I, yeah. I don't have that unlearning. So, and the other wonderful thing that I had is my first pastor was very um, open to questions and very open to you know, I mean, I took one, I think I said this in a podcast before, but one of the first things I signed up in the church was, uh, it was back when those books uh, for dummies was popular. <laughs> and, uh, and he had Bible study for dummies. And I'm like, sign me up because I knew nothing, <laughs> you know? And, um, and he was just so open to whatever, you know, just go down the road that mm-hmm. he wasn't like, you know, you can't go down the road unless you walk this way. He was like, just go down the road, mm-hmm. you know? So Alyssa, you said that it just never crossed your mind growing up to think of God as feminine or as a mother figure. And for me, I think it was very pointedly do not think Mm. of God like that because Mm -hmm. we would go and visit a church and see a female pastor and it was, oh no, this church is not the church for us. We cannot have Mm. women in leadership like that. So it was not that it didn't cross my mind, but if I saw that, I was like, that is wrong. Wow. Yeah. That's That's hard. Yeah. Yeah. And, and how, what, Obviously, you don't think that way no. anymore. You're sitting across from a female pastor right here. <laughs> um, what changed for you? Um, I mean, when I was in high school, I questioned things a lot and my parents were very fine with it. I was like, well, what about these other religions or even other branches of Christianity? And they bought me books and they like gave me the literature and they were like, you know, if you want to learn something, then read about it and learn about it. And I did. And I still never wavered from going to the Southern Baptist Church and doing all the Sunday youth stuff and everything like that. But I think it was in in college and marrying my husband and seeing just the different types of religion, not just Southern Baptist, non-denominational type things, um, just, just being an adult and, and learning for myself, seeing the world through a different lens and and just realizing that so many things that I was taught growing up were not right. Yeah, I think that... The willingness to explore, I, I'm really happy that you felt like you could do that because then uh, there are a lot of people who never feel that willingness mm-hmm. to explore, never mm-hmm. feel like they can step outside of what they were raised with. And it's hard because right versus wrong, that's something that, uh, each of us has to come to our own conclusion of like, okay, what works for me? What doesn't work for me? But I had a lot of conversations with my therapist about um, the way that I, I would get frustrated with other sects of Christianity. And um, 
the way that they were representing Christ and how I felt like it was wrong. And they only refer to God in he, him terms. And God is actually, if we're going to be accurate, they, them, but won't, won't even consider God as she, you know, all these things. And I was getting frustrated and frustrated and frustrated. And, um, it's, it's impossible to find a church almost that doesn't use the masculine God, Mm -hmm. because that's what, uh, the faith, the faith was the church was built out mm-hmm. in patriarchy. And mm-hmm. so you can't step outside of that. But one of the things that my therapist told me is, you know what, when you get to a point uh, with your relationship with God, nothing can offend you. So hmm. if the people around, cause there was a while that it rubbed me the wrong way. Anytime I heard God referred to as he, him, father, because I had my own baggage. I had my own traumas that I was carrying. I had uh, a marriage that ended horribly. And I had a real chip on my shoulder about men and what I see men doing in the world. And I was like, well, there's no way God's a man. Mm -hmm. God wouldn't do this. God, if God's a man, like we're all screwed. Like I had this mentality (laughs) and it was because of my own trauma and my own baggage. And he open my eyes of like, Hey, when you get beyond that, and he's like, it's okay if that's where you are right now, but you want to work beyond that and get to the point that someone can refer to God as he, someone can refer to God as her, someone can refer to God as they, someone can refer to God as creator, mm-hmm. whatever God, God, they can refer to God as alien, whatever it is. And it won't offend you. It won't upset you because it'll just bring you joy that people are seeking relationship with God in whatever way they can. I can't say I'm there yet, (laughs) but that is a constant goal for me of like, it's, I'm not, I don't, it's not my role to force people to see God outside of he, him, Mm -hmm. but it's just exploring for myself. Where can I expand? Uh, Where can I see God differently in different ways with different people? Um, But I'm constantly going back and forth on that of like, is there a right way and a wrong way or are there diff- just different ways to be in relationship with God? Mm-hmm. Gracie, I want to come back to the Bible for a little bit. Okay. Um, Happy to. Thank you. So who are some of the female figures in the Bible who represent aspects of uh, God's femininity and what qualities do they have? Okay. Well, I, there was something that I kind of wanted to touch on in that conversation about, oh, I mean, it's all about this gendering, but like, it goes back to what Laura had said initially of that language is just hard to capture God. And yeah. I, the reason, like it's rooted in tradition, like you said, that we use male pronouns primarily for God or primarily male pronouns are used for God because that's what language did Mm -hmm. and language is can't capture the fullness of anything truly. Mm -hmm. Um, but so when people like go back to, they say, well, I refer to God as he or father, because that's what it says in scripture. And so, but scripture had to, language itself is a construct and I don't want to get all like meta, but like it's, it's all building on something that was constructed in the first place yeah. that was that like we had to put le- words together to come up with a way to communicate and so it's not that god maybe it's not that god god's self is masculine or feminine but that it's just the words that were used they that's the system they came up with was to put gender assign gender to words and so anyway that's all um well say- and and anyone who I've heard talk about having a mystical experience and having an encounter with God in some way. They say it is nearly impossible yeah. to put words to it. And, right. and a lot of people say, I prefer not to share it. I prefer not to tell people about it because if I put words to it, it'll cheapen it the like experience. It like diminishes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so that's, that's another like interesting part to think about of like scripture is like we, I, 
we use scripture every day. We base everything that we do on scripture as one of our main revelations of God. So I don't want to diminish that scripture has such an important role, but it's just not the end Mm -hmm. of God's revelation to us. But back to your question about female figures in uh, in the Bible who represent aspects of the feminine divine. Um, so I mentioned the Holy spirit, um, as like, especially in Proverbs and, um, Ecclesiastes, maybe, uh, don't come at me, Dr. Heller. Um, (laughs) there's, um, the word that wisdom does all these things as a personified, Per, like wisdom personified does all these things. And that's the Sophia. That's the wisdom of God. Um, but I also, sorry, you said earlier, Sophia, and yes. is, are you talking the name Sophia or is that so, like, so a, Sophia is the Greek word okay. for wisdom. I was confused. I was I'm like, sorry. I never, I did never clear. I did never clarify that. So well, I was sitting here like, okay, who's Sophia, Sophia in the Bible? In the Bible? Am I, I was, supposed to know who Sophia <laughs> is? I was just like, going to pretend like I knew. You're like, mm, <laughs> yeah, totally. sure. I, I realized I never clarified that. So yeah, Sophia is the Greek word for wisdom. Okay. Um, and uh, so in the like Greek translation of the old Testament and stuff, that's, uh, it was the word Sophia is used to describe to as the word wisdom. Um, so yeah, Sophia is wisdom. Okay. So if you ever, if you know a Sophie or Sophia, like that's what their name means. Um, but I think one of the most clear examples, maybe I'll go with the less clear examples first, um, that I think of as Hagar is she's one of uh, the characters in Genesis and she's the first one to name God. Um, the first person to give a name to God and like half the people who are Christians don't know who Hagar is. Um, but to me, it's like, that's like the boldness of God of, um, and that she names God, the God who sees because she, she's this runaway slave and her, um, Sarah, Sarah and Abraham have mistreated her. And so she's run away and God like finds her in the desert, sees her and cares for her. And she says, you are the God who sees, um, which like gives me chills when mm-hmm. I like really think about it. Um, and then I, but the main one I think of is Mary, mother of Jesus. Mm-hmm. She is um, probably who most people think of. And I mean, Catholics, there's a reason that they, uh, rely on, they lean on Mary so much. It's not that they worship Mary, but that they, um, they recognize that there's this need for the feminine in God. Um, this, like, there's this yearning to have that balance. And so it's not so much that Mary is God, but she represents this sort of female archetype, basically just that she's this symbol and sort of representation of, um, of kind of bringing that balance to the masculine that's so given so much attention on God. Um, and that she has as the mother of Jesus, she is so attached to the Christ mystery. Mm-hmm. Richard Rohr calls the Christ mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, he says that Richard Rohr says that humans need and trust our mothers to give us gifts, to nurture us and to always forgive us. And that's what we want from God. Mm. And so he said, that's what Mary represents for the Catholic church. It's obviously can be like misunderstood from the outside. I'm not Catholic. So this was interesting for me to learn. I was like, okay, that makes a lot of sense that they're not worshiping Mary. Yeah. Well, and and so thinking of the, female characters in in scripture a word that you said that really stood out to me when you were talking about Hagar is her boldness Hmm. like the boldness of being the first person to give God a name Hmm. like I I think about um oftentimes because you mentioned like maybe the most common uh archetype is the mother of Mary mother Mary Mm mm-hmm I have mixed feelings about it because Hmm. I, when I think of Mary, it feels like womanhood on a pedestal. Hmm. She's virginal. She's nurturing. She puts herself second. She serves Hmm. her son. She does all of these things. And to me, a lot of those descriptions of um, who 
who women are, it's always in relation to men. Hmm. But there is when you're reading through and almost every story about women in scripture seems to be like in relation to men. And that hmm. drives me crazy. And I feel like that's a reflection of the patriarchy, <laughs> but one of the, the boldness of mm. women in scripture is something that shines through mm. and we're not, uh, because I think of like, Oh boy, uh, Sisera and Deborah man, or wait, not J- Sisera, Jael. Jael, Jael, who murdered Sisera. <laughs> pretty aggressively. Uh, so Jael, Deborah, I think of Esther. Mm-hmm. I think of uh, women who stood up to authority mm-hmm. with no fear and saying, and Tamar and saying, no, we're going to upset this apple cart here. Like mm-hmm. this is not the system I'm going to live into. And then I also think of um, with Jesus's resurrection mm-hmm. Every gospel says the first people there were women. Mm -hmm. The first people that God, uh, that Jesus revealed himself to were women. And I just find it fascinating of this was not a safe place. Like this Mm -hmm. was not the entirety of the community had just rallied against Jesus to have him crucified Mm -hmm. as a political prisoner, Mm -hmm. basically. Like it was not safe to say I'm on his side openly. All of the disciples had gone into hiding and yet these women show up and Mm -hmm. to take care of Jesus's body and to be there in a place where they could be easily found, easily captured, easily hurt uh, for being with Jesus and, and honoring Jesus. And I'm just like, man, the bold courage of these women is astounding. Mm -hmm. And we don't talk about it very Mm -hmm. often. We talk about the more stereotypical uh, descriptions like meek, nurturing, servant heart, you Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. that that sort of thing. And yes, all of the above, but like... Mm -hmm. But could the women go because they were women? Mm -hmm. Because they weren't a threat? Because they weren't going to... Nobody was going to listen to them. Nobody was going to teach. Nobody, you know, that... Did they go because of that? Did they think they were being bold? <laughs> Probably not. You don't think so? I don't. You don't think that they were afraid? Um, I think that they thought it was their place to take care of, probably. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's a possibility. Yeah. It's a different story in hindsight, right? Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I think I when you talk about... Um, who you relate to. I did a, a study a couple of years ago and I'm going to say Mary, which is, you just gave all the reasons why I love Mary. And I really wasn't one of those persons that was um, thought highly of, not to say I didn't think highly of Mary, but I think because I'm a mom, I related so much when I went through this uh, study um, reading and really putting myself in her shoes and thinking about what that must have been like mm-hmm. from the moment that she finds out that she's pregnant with mm-hmm. this child and what that's going to be like. And then just you know, there are times you watch your children and you are horrified and terrified and worried and concerned. And she went through all those things. And, um, and so I, and we actually, the class that I had, we actually had a Catholic in the class with us. And it was the first time I'd really got to be with someone that was Catholic and really talk through some of the Mary stuff. And, um, I don't know, I really left that study really identifying a lot with Mary and thinking a lot about Mary. And that she models what it is to say yes to God. It too. is, yeah. It's in terror. Yes. It's like for them, for the Catholic, I don't want to speak on behalf of Catholics because again, I'm not Catholic, right. but like from what I was learning, it was kind of like th- she represents what surrender is mm-hmm. to God. And well, that's not just Catholic. That's us too. Right. I mean, we did a whole uh, Advent series mm-hmm. a few years ago on the Magnificat, which mm-hmm. is all about, yeah, mm-hmm. it's all about Mary. And I think she's a great example mm-hmm. of saying yes to God mm-hmm. blindly. Blind like faith. she had Without absolutely no idea what was coming, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. she's like, okay. Let's we talk do about this. language and understanding and, and it being useful or whatever. You're pregnant and you're told you're pregnant with the Savior of the world. What does that even mean? <laughs> yeah. Like what you don't even have a construct for that. I mean, what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. You know? So yeah. Yeah, that's the year I did that study that same year we yeah. did it. We did it. Well, study. and that that is something that I am lacking because I don't have kids. Mm-hmm. I'm not a mother. And so 
I won't say lacking. I choose not to have kids. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't want to be a mother. Mm-hmm. But I see like my sister and, mm-hmm. and Sam, you have three kids. I do. And just like, man, I feel like becoming a mother must give you a new insight into who God is Uh that you didn't that you didn't have before. I don't know, Sam. Could what is what is what have you learned about God through becoming a mom? Oh, so much about God and so much about myself. Um, I mean, I changed a hundred percent when I became a mom. Just like from giving yourself up fully, physically, mentally, emotionally, everything from the time that you conceive, the time that that baby is in you, and then when the baby's born. I'm feeding it and nurturing it and it is sustained on my body. And then you see how we are fed by Jesus's body and blood. And you see that similarity. Mm. Um, You're blowing my mind. (laughs) (laughs) But also just, I didn't know what unconditional love was until I had kids. And I was like, there is nothing you could do. Like, I will love you no matter what. And I know now that my parents thought that about me and that God was that way with me, but that's not how it was in my mind. Like I mm. always thought there were conditions and I'm like, I don't want my kids to think that there are conditions on this love that I have for them and the love that God has for them. Mm. Did you feel like, man, I'm, I'm really hung up on nurturing your children with your own body and relating that to the sacrament of communion of, uh, Jesus offering up his body. Like I, had never made that comparison before. I, when did that hit you? When did that like feeling come to you? Not when they were infants. (laughs) Oh no, (laughs) no, not when they were infants. It wasn't until I could look back clearly at things um, and relate them that way. But honestly, I was in such a fog when they were infants that even thinking about having little tiny baby newborns gives me physical pain in my chest right now. (laughs) So it wasn't when they were infants, but looking back and just I don't know, looking back and seeing them and seeing all of that, just like no conditions on anything and just relating it that way. But complete dependence on you. Mm Complete dependence. Oh my gosh. But I also, but I also get that you can have a child who is not formed in you and you can adopt and you can have babies other ways, but you're still, whether you're breastfeeding them or not, you're still sustaining them. They still rely fully a hundred percent on you to sustain them, whether it's food coming directly from my body into them or other ways, you know, did it, did it change the way that you read scripture? So like when we're reading about a mother bear nurturing her, her baby, uh, her cubs or, um, there's a a scripture that I sent out to y'all earlier this week that talks about uh, like a a mother is it a mother hen? Yeah. There's there's a mother hen. There's also an eagle. Of like just those uh, scriptures of like nourishing, birthing, caring. Like I or I knit you in your mother's womb, mm-hmm. and like God being uh, in like present in the womb, that's divine femininity to me. Like did, was there like a chemistry change in your brain of like reading scriptures that defined God in these motherly ways? Absolutely. And I think if you would have asked me before I had kids, if those scriptures made sense, I'd been like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense to see God in those ways as a mom. But I wasn't a mom and I didn't know. And seeing them now, reading those scriptures now, it just means something completely different. It's it's hard to explain. It's like, mm. I don't know. It's the mysticism. It it's is. like you can't put words you to it. You can't put words to it. I it wish just... you could though, because I'd really like to know. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I'm also not a mother, but I can only imagine that like this Isaiah scripture is that as a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. That as a mother, and you're imagining comforting your child and then then thinking like, that's how God loves me and all of us. Like, I can't yes. only imagine. And when I hear that, I think about those times that I was the absolute only one that could comfort my mm. kids. There are still those times where dad won't do, no one will do. They need mom. They need me. And there is mm. no one that can give them that comfort in the same way that we need God. Like mm. no one, nothing in this life is going to give us that comfort. It's only going to come through God. Yeah. Mm. There is something interesting to that, like special connection. Cause I am an auntie to two and 
when we're playing and, you know, my sister is sitting inside or whatever and I'm outside with the kids, one of them falls down, scrapes their knee. First thing, run straight to mom and cry. And she doesn't even say anything. Mm-hmm. She, They just sit in her lap, rest their head on her chest and cry. And she rocks them back and forth. And I'm like, well, anyone could have done that, <laughs> you know? But there's that. like, I, yeah, I'm like, like they could have run to anyone's lap and they would have done the exact same thing. But there's something like unbreakable about the connection between parent and mother and child. Right. Yeah. So so put yourself on the other side of that, Alyssa. It, there's only things that you will go to your mom for, right? There's you're a grown adult and you're not a child that's fallen and hurt and hurt your knee, but there are things that you can only go to your mom for that no one can really take care of that same need. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. I hear that. But when you were talking, I was thinking, man, as I've changed and become an adult, there are things that I would go to my mom for that now I'm just immediately going to God for. Mm, I mean, there are things that I need my mom for. I'm like, mom, Mm -hmm. how do I cook chicken? (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) All of these things. She's going to love hearing this. Oh, she's going to love it. Um, But then there are just those times where I just need that, uh, that love. And I do go straight to God. Whereas as a child or even a younger adult, I would have gone to mom for that. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's um, maturing in your faith. I talked about that in the liminal space too. Like people you love, whether it be your family, your friends, like they're there for you and they love you and they want to help you get through everything. But there comes a time when you realize in your walk that really the first place to start is God and not we tend to do the other thing, go all the other places mm-hmm. first. I think as we mature, we go straight to God. I'm not mature yet because I still do the runaround. I don't, <laughs> I don't do it every I'm time. Like, go I'm to everybody, everybody else and yeah. then finally be like, find God, what, do you, what, what? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Know? So all of this conversation is making me realize that it really was after I had my third baby and I had that postpartum depression and anxiety and stuff and realizing like, no one can help me. No one can help hmm. me through this. And that I think was my turning point of going this this has to be given to God. Like I need to feel his physical comfort with this. And even though like, I know I could talk to my mom and friends about anything that wasn't who I needed to run to. It was God. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Something that just like breaks you so deeply and profoundly that like you said, there's no words for it. Mm -hmm. Like there's nothing. Yeah. Well, you don't even have to say, you just have to go to God and God knows that God knows that pain. And that when you can't gather the words and you can't, you know, articulate it to somebody, then God just knows it. The way you're describing God right now is the same way you're describing mother earlier Mm -hmm. of like Mm -hmm. your kids just run to you Mm -hmm. when they're hurt and when they're broken Mm -hmm. and you don't have to say anything. Mm -hmm. It's just instant care and comfort. Mm -hmm. And man, like that is God, our mother. Right. Yeah. Yeah. God, our mother. It's that longing desire. Like how I loved how Richard Rohr put it because I can't ever put things Richard Rohr banner. I'm just saying that like, like we need that even if we didn't have a great mother or if no matter what kind of mother you had, like we have that innate, like natural desire for our, for a mother's love for that nurturing, unconditional love. And so it's really interesting. Like, as we're talking about this, thinking of this unconditional love, how I never attributed that as a like feminine quality of God, but it's certainly, I mean, we, some of us had great dads, some of us not have, you know, a very, relationship yeah, of dads right. well and the tra- but, same can be said for moms right, right exactly yeah. but mm-hmm. it's like that that quality is attributed to mom because it's just like that's we rely on mom like mm-hmm. naturally and so it's interesting to me that I've never thought of that but I've always known I've been lucky to always have known God as a unconditional love but I've never like attributed that specifically as like just like mom does mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. So, and I, I just, I wish that we had more conversations like mm-hmm. this because, um, I'm not, like I said, I'm not trying to say, Oh, fathers don't love unconditionally. Right. No, no, of course not. But like the idea of God as father has been explored unendingly for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there are very few conversations about God as mother. And I just think that we're missing an element mm-hmm. of God. We're mm-hmm. missing an element of who God is if we're not willing to mm-hmm. explore that. Yeah. Um, 
Gracie, what are what are some of the scriptures that mention yeah. God as mother? So a lot of them are Old Testament, um, like from the prophets, like that one I read from Isaiah. Um, and then the one from Hosea, there's a couple in Hosea where it's the, the one about the bear cubs, um, that a, a mother bear robbed of her cubs is what God is describing, like Israel's betrayal. Like, and it's like, oh, we don't, you always know not to get between a mother and her cubs, mm-hmm. <laughs> mother bear and her cubs. Um, but then in Deuteronomy, we have a couple of God described as the, as a mother eagle um, and God so like the eagle that stirs up in its nests and hovers over its young, God spreads wings to catch you and carries you on pinions. Um, so there's a lot, it's a lot of mother language. Um, but then in the new Testament, um, a couple of times that Jesus talks about God was, I think you mentioned the God is the mother hen, um, where it's, Jesus says, how often I've desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. So again, it's like that um, unconditional love and protection too. Um, and then God as the one, this, this Luke passage is actually really interesting because it has nothing to do with a mother, but just as God as the woman looking for her lost coin. So it's in that um, there there's a chapter in Luke that's like the three lost things, the lost sheep, the lost mm-hmm. coin and the lost son. Um, got it. Yes. <laughs> um, but it's that one where she has the 10 silver coins. Would she not tear apart her house looking for the last one? Um, and so that one was interesting because it's one of the only ones that's not specifically about birthing or mothering. Well, and Um, it is interesting, like, and of course we can only wonder why Jesus chose to teach in this way, but Jesus could have easily made that a man searching for a coin. Sure. Why did he choose to compare God to a woman searching for a coin? Hmm. Um, I I think that's interesting. I think that Jesus brought women into the fold in a way Mm -hmm. that had never been done before. Mm-hmm. Um, we were his creation too. So right, yeah. Yeah. right. why not? Right. Yeah. And you had mentioned it at the beginning, that Genesis passage um, where God creates male and female. It had never occurred to me that when, like, I, I know that when it's, yeah, we're female and male are both created in God's image, but I can't remember who said it, but it said that. So that must mean that God has, a divine feminine image to be reflected that it's not that men have more of a divine image reflected, yeah. but like it's the two, both of us, all of us yeah. have the divi- divine image in us. Well, and I so. think that because of the Genesis story and, and the creation story of how, uh, Well, I guess there are a few different creation stories in Genesis, but the one that we default to is God created Adam and Adam was lonely. So God created Eve Mm -hmm. out of Adam's rib. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. So it's kind of like subconsciously this mentality of and women, too. Mm -hmm. Like so we we don't really see ourselves as um, the part of the main show. Like Mm. it is, and whether you want to or not, depending on your upbringing, even if you're not outrightly taught, like I wasn't taught that women shouldn't be in leadership. I wasn't taught that, um, women are less than men in any way. I was taught verbally equality, but what I saw, Mm. what I heard preached, all of these things wasn't that. And it did feel like, um, God created a man and women you're included too, mm-hmm. you know, that it's sort of feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think that that's, mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. think that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sam, we were talking a little bit about, um, everything that changed when you became a mom and how you saw God differently. Do you feel like you can talk to your kids about God as mother, as well as God as father yeah, um, definitely. And it's something that I want to do. Um, with my kids, I feel like we've tried to make it a point just in general in society to not make gender such a huge thing. 
right? I mean, it's 2023. Um, but I asked my kids, I asked one of my sons, I don't even remember which one, they're seven and nine. I asked one, <laughs> like, you know, when we talk about God, our father, and he kind of looked at me confused. And I was like, okay, well, have you ever heard like God as our mother? And he still looked confused. And I was like, okay, well, then I guess I've done a good job. Because you're not <laughs> thinking, like, he's like, oh, you're not thinking of God as our father or None God as our above. mother. <laughs> yeah. None of the above, mom. Um, I don't know. But just thinking, like being able to put everything in perspective, that is something that I definitely want to put at the forefront of our conversations with our kids is, it is not, it is God our father. And here, and God, our mother, and here are all of the different characteristics and unconditionality of God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it, it's, um, I don't know. It's kind of hard because, of course, I don't have kids. Stephanie reminds me of that all the time because <laughs> I am a very judgmental person. <laughs> and I will tell her, like, she'll... I'll, I'll bring up something that I want to talk to the kids about. And she's like, that's not age appropriate. Like, don't talk to them about that yet. And I just, I'm like, well, if I had kids, we would be raising very different kids. We would have very different parenting styles. And she was like, you don't have kids, you know? Like, <laughs> and so it's Gigi just like, let me do, but I, I struggle with like, um, how much do we teach when, because I also understand like, it's important to put like, basic foundations mm -hmm. and principles in place um, to build a faith structure on, to have something to build on. Mm -hmm. But what is that foundation that we're putting down? And is it helpful or is it damaging over time? Because I feel like we're seeing at this very table, people with different upbringings and um, some of us have had to deconstruct what we uh, grew up with. Some of us grew up at, that we can continue to embrace what we have. Gracie, I think that you've been able to continue, continue to embrace what you were raised with. Laura, you built from scratch from adulthood on. And yet here all we are like the same, you know, spiritual seekers and does it really matter? Like, does it really matter at childhood what you're teaching your kids or what you're not teaching your kids? Or do we just like let it go and let God present God's self to these kids in whatever way they see in the world? Like, I don't know the answer of how do we bring our kids in on this? I feel like kids are so smart and they ask questions when they're ready to hear answers. Um, you said you talked about bringing up topics with the kids. I, things just come up naturally. And I feel like I don't want to lie to my kids. So if they're yeah. going to ask a question, I'm going to tell them in an age appropriate way, the answer to it. And I also feel like you talked about foundations. My foundation was in God, first and foremost, there were a lot of things that I was taught that I had to deconstruct. So I feel like looking at my kids, I'm like, wow, I'm already setting you up so much better than I was <laughs> set up. And look, I turned out okay. So you've mm -hmm. got it like mm -hmm. you will. You're okay. You'll be okay. Yeah. I think the other side of that too is just so much, not what you say, but what you do. Mm -hmm. um, you can go and not say, you can say, you can not say a lot of things, right? But if your kids see that you, you, your faith is important, they see you at church, they see you learning, they see you changing even your mind about what you learned. Maybe, maybe mm -hmm. a question for one of your kids isn't so much, do you think of God our father or uh, God our mother? But you know, when I was a kid, that this is the only way I thought about God. And as I've grown, I now think about God in this way, you know? So I, I, I think a lot of what they learn from is by what we do and where we prioritize and what we show them. Mm. I love that. Yeah, that's so true. And so many different things that I was grown up believing, mm -hmm. just presenting that to my kids in that way. You know, mm -hmm. I grew up. This is what, this is how it was for but, me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, this is where I'm at on that now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So of course we, if you have kids, right, you have this responsibility to your child of um, the foundation of God is love. God is, you know, all of these these beautiful descriptions, everything that we've talked about, the beautiful descriptions of God as mother, God as father, all of these different ways that we've thought of who God is. But beyond that, going beyond our family units into this community of Christ that we're a part of, how do you think a deeper understanding and appreciation of the feminine side of God can promote greater uh, cohesion? gender equality, 
social justice in the church and not one church, but church with a capital mm-hmm. C, the, the corporate church. Um, basically, why does this conversation matter and how will it help? Yeah. You've been thinking about that, Laura? <laughs> yeah, I, um, you know, I think all of what we talked about today requires an open mind. And realizing that we don't have everything all figured out. And, um, you know, Gracie said a minute ago that we're all divine creatures, you know, created by God. And so, I mean, if we just walked around thinking about people like that, not by the constructs of language and all the labels that we have, um, what could that look like if we were just a little more open-minded and worked from the place of love and not putting people in boxes. Cause we do that with God all the time. We put mm-hmm. God in a box all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we walk around and we put people in boxes all the time. Um, and it's just not necessary. And I, I sometimes wonder uh, from God's point of view, what this looks like. And I, and I think about, I don't really think God cares if I refer to God as a male or female, mm-hmm. feminine, masculine. Um, I think God just wants to be in a relationship with me. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, when I think of that, I, I have uh, grandchildren, which we haven't said anything about grandkids, but I have, a, I have three grand, grandkids. And my, my grandma name is Lolly. And my youngest granddaughter, who just turned three last week, decided one day to start calling me grandma. And um, it kind of threw me for a loop because I've been a grandma for almost 10 years now. And I'd been called Lolly and it kind of threw me for a loop. And one day she said to me, do you want me to call you grandma or Lolly? And, and I said, I really don't care. Just call me. And I think mm-hmm. that's what God wants of us. Just, just call, call him, just be in relationship with him. And if you are, you're going to love people. You can't help but love people if you're going to be in a relationship with them. And it's a road, like you said a minute ago, where you get so mad at people who mess up faith and hurt other people. Just so arrogant of it's, me. It's, it's so ridiculous. It's a road like, we're all going down. Wrong. It's a road we're all going down. We None of us have arrived. We're all working on it, right? And, um, and that, I don't know, that might not make sense to your question, but yeah, I just, I, I do better when I have an open mind on things. And, I, I think that all the time with people. I, I, years ago, I started the what, what else could be true thing that I asked myself of everything. And I, hmm. you know, so what else could be true about God that hmm. I haven't, I don't think my little brain can even begin to encompass what God is, mm-hmm. right? Um, well, and that's one of the, the exercises. And I, I think I've mentioned this on a previous episode, but one of the exercises that I did with my therapist when I was really struggling with mm-hmm. the image of God and mm-hmm. seeing God in all of these masculine uh, traits that I was kind of personally done with masculine, mm-hmm. like just over it. And my therapist, who is a man, ironically, that's kind of funny, but he uh, gave me the assignment. He's like, hey, I want you to go home and write down all of the attributes you wish God had, write down all of the mm-hmm. traits you wish um, described God. And I did. And I was writing down things like compassionate and nurturing and understanding and all of these things that I viewed as feminine understanding Mm -hmm. of God. And I brought the list back to him and he was like, Hey, I have really good news. Like all of this is who God is. (laughs) Everything you want God to be (laughs) is who God is. And if you didn't think that's who God is, then you've been misinformed, yeah. you yeah. know? Yeah. And I, I love that. I loved your, your granddaughter asking uh, a lolly or grandma, because mm-hmm. I think it's just, it's the perfect analogy mm-hmm. of you're like, I don't care. Call mm-hmm. me whatever you want to call mm-hmm. me. Just and be here. Just, just be, be with here. me. But yeah. also her, like the sweet little girl, like taking a moment to honor you mm-hmm. and say, what, what do you prefer to be mm-hmm. called is also really sweet. on yeah. like <laughs> a little Thank different yeah. thing, but yeah. so um, I love that. I agree with what you said about God just wants us to call on him. Mm-hmm. Also thinking about my own kids, I do want to make an effort though to present God in these ways, not that I had him growing up. I want to present God in a more nurturing, loving, compassionate way than I had growing up. And I do want to make an effort to do that, whether no matter how we're calling on God, but just presenting 
more of those so-called feminine aspects of God. Right. And I think our faith sometimes is so personal. Like I know mm-hmm. I have, I, I have all kinds of faith stories I've never shared with my kids. You know, I think that's how we do it is sharing those stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My turn. Anything to add? <laughs> the scholar speaks. Gosh. Um, no, I think it just goes hand in hand of like where we, we inform, like how culture, culture informs more how we see God versus how we see God informing culture. And like, just like the way we are as a society, if we're able to, and this is a practice for like every part of our life of like how you said, and if we could see people first as divine images of God versus that girl, that boy who looks like this, that, or the other, Mm -hmm. then if we flip to God first, then that can inform a more peaceable kingdom, a more what God truly intends for us to mm-hmm. how God truly intends for us to live. Um, so I think how we see God greatly affects how we live in the world and vice versa. So, mm-hmm. well, and it, it makes me think of it as cliche as it is. It's a cliche for a reason. First Corinthians 13 with love is patient. Love is kind. Mm-hmm. True love is unoffendable. Mm-hmm. You cannot like there is nothing that you can say, nothing that you can do mm-hmm. for love to turn its back on you in mm-hmm. any way. And that's um, what I want to continue to lean into is like I explore the different ways that I experience God, who God could be, what God could be and, and what form God could take that I never fall under the false assumption that I've got it figured out. Like mm-hmm. I've got, I've, cause it's kind of like putting God, taking God out of the box, putting God in a box, all these things that we do. Well, I, we think we also have a tendency of we have God in this box and then we have a moment of inspiration or enlightenment where we remove God out of the box and then put God in a different box. Right. Yes. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. A yeah. bigger one. Yeah. yeah. And so I just Th- This is like, the right box. Yeah. yeah. Right. Absolutely. I've got my new box. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just feel like we're on this constant journey of like, unleashing God from Mm -hmm. the boxes that we continue to put God in. And that's just what we're going to be doing for the rest of our lives. Um, But it's, uh, I don't know. I think it's a worthy journey. Yeah. No, I feel like what to answer the question more directly, mine was a pretty indirect response, but when you, when we start to appreciate and see the divine feminine of God, we start to appreciate the divine feminine in people and then lift that up more and Mm -hmm. then like value that, see what value that Mm -hmm. is of like, that's not second, uh, that's not a secondary or like an afterthought, but that's, that's just as much part of the divine. That's just as valuable as strength and whatever. Um, and I think it frees all of us because oh, I am a hundred percent. I have, you know, I grew up, I was labeled a tomboy very young. I've always been, I've had a lot of masculine characteristics of I'm uh, bold, I'm assertive, I'm outspoken, all of these things that have been historically and stereotypically defined, defined as masculine characteristics. And, and yet I also have so much feminine inside of me. And I think that, um, Seeing the divine in other people, it's not just saying, oh, women are divine as well. It's saying that the masculine divine and the feminine divine lives within all of Mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. And to free men as well to be like, explore the feminine divine within you. Mm -hmm. There's nurturing, there's compassion, Mm -hmm. there's all of these beautiful things that live inside Mm -hmm. you. And that's not something that you have to push away or diminish or see as weakness. It's strength and it's bold and it's beautiful uh it's divine version yeah. of god living yeah. inside of you yeah. explore it yeah um, i love that yeah i i hadn't mentioned this earlier but uh, one of the other sort of things down the road of my walk has uh that kind of stood out to me when i started thinking about this is um I, i've mentioned this to gracie before i think but i love the the book the prodigal son by henry mm. Nowen. it's 
a spectacular book. He saw Rembrandt's painting of the prodigal son, and it was life-changing for him. He, he became obsessed with it and studied it and changed his life after seeing it. But in that um, painting uh, that Rembrandt, Rembrandt did, uh, the prodigal, uh, the father uh, is embracing the son as he's kneeling on the ground. And one hand looks to be masculine. It's larger. It's uh, weathered more. It almost looks like it's grabbing the sun. And the other hand is feminine. It's a softer hand. It's a smaller hand. Um, and that was the first time, one of the first times of me sort of thinking of God in another way other than uh, he. Uh, but yeah, if, 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 I, if God is in me and God is in him, whoever this man is, he created us all we're all of these things, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we have, I, I can't, I, I have characteristics that are more masculine too. I mean, I, we all have those things within us because mm-hmm. we were, it's like people tell me all the time they're not creative. I'm like, hello, you were creative by, created by a creative God. Right. There is creativity in you that you have not nurtured and brought <laughs> mm-hmm. out. You're creative in some way or form. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we're all of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we should honor that in each other. Yes. Yeah. And to expand, to blow our minds even further, you know, um, once we start expanding, it's hard to stop. Right. And so I, we're not claiming like that it is this dichotomy of mm-hmm. masculine and feminine and that's it. Mm-hmm. Like it's everything. Mm-hmm. Like there is every, every possible expression of God lives within us mm-hmm. and just even us saying uh, God, our mother is putting God in another box, right. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's try and open up all the boxes right. and explore everything that God could possibly be and that it all lives inside each of us. And it's kind of incredible. Like it gives me goosebumps to mm-hmm. think about all of that is living inside me, inside you, inside everyone that I come in contact with. Um, It really is kind of a mind melting thought. Well, this has been amazing. I am so honored to have had uh, the three of y'all here with me. Thank you so much for taking the time to have this conversation. I hope that this will be the first of many conversations and that you share this with your friends and it sparks conversation about the feminine divine and how God, you know, God, our mother is living within us as well. So thank y'all. This is incredible. It's good. Thank Thank you. The Life Plus God podcast is hosted, written, and produced by me, Alyssa Robinson, and sponsored by Treach Memorial United Methodist Church in Flower Mound, Texas. If you live in the Flower Mound area, I invite you to stop by and see if Treach could be your new church family. You can learn more about all of our programs and events at tmumc.org. And I hope to catch you next week for our next episode of the Life Plus God podcast.